are listening to Impact Sports Radio, and this is Horsepower with your host, Cameron Billis. All right, you're listening to 88.9 WDBM Impact Sports. This is Horsepower. I'm your host, Cameron Billis. Alongside me is Colin Jackson, and we're here to bring you all the latest and greatest in the Pistons world. And Colin, finally, we can say the Pistons season has come to an end. Our struggles are over, and we have a whole off season to look forward to. Um, I ask you, was this season a failure for the Detroit Pistons? I would say this season is definitely a failure for the Detroit Pistons, and I feel like evidence of that is just the fact that we're now missing a coach and a GM. Uh, Mochiks being fired halfway through the season, we thought we could contend, a uh, playoff contender, obviously not, not a championship contender with this team, but... Um, I understand we needed to tank to get that uh, pick. We had to get a top eight pick, which means we had to tank halfway through the season. But at the same time, um, how many bottom eight finishes do you really need before you can have the team you want to compete with? Mm-hmm. You know, Scott Brooks, the head coach of the Oklahoma City Thunder, and in essence, former employer of Maurice Cheeks when he was an assistant coach there, came out earlier this week and said, you know, Cheeks was never really given a fair shot. No coach can come in and change the type of culture that Detroit had in 50 games. What 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 are your thoughts on that? I completely agree. I understand the impatience, and there's probably something behind the scenes that we'll never find out. But I entirely agree with that statement, though. It's a first-year head coach with a losing team. That's been losing for years now. You have to give him more than 50 games. Mm, yeah, I mean, you know, so many expectations were brought into this season that the Pistons, this was the year to finally end the playoff drought. They went out and made some big-time moves, such as bringing in Josh Smith and Brandon Jennings, and to end up only going 29-53 and is, you know, it's embarrassing for the organization. Tom Gores is a business guy who wants to fill as many seats as possible, and, you know, with a team that goes several games under 500 and is not really in playoff contention, the seats aren't going to get filled. So, you know, obviously changes needed to be made. Uh, You know, it was interesting that Cheeks was fired halfway through. I think that even if he stayed on board, a new GM would have wanted to bring in a new coach eventually when he got the job. Um, So I guess that's kind of a wash that he was fired halfway through the season. But, you know, speaking of new general managers... The Pistons need one, and a few candidates have kind of emerged so far in the media. One interesting one, and the one that really caught my eye, was Grant Hill, who is a former Piston, has zero general manager experience. Can he handle the job? I mean, when I think Grant Hill, that caught my eye, too, definitely, when I first saw that. Um, He was a great player, uh, college and NBA, but... When I think Grant Hill, as trivial as this, as this may seem, I was thinking back to uh, 30 for 30, uh, Jalen Rose talking about him when they were about to play in college. They think he's soft. And I feel like the Pistons don't need someone that's soft as a GM. I don't know whether or, not, whether or not that's true. I really hope it isn't. He plays hard. I wouldn't mind if he was GM. At least that would be, at least for from Tom Gores' perspective, good business decision because then they see it all oh, ex-NBA star someone else in Detroit used to play for the Pistons has history with the franchise but at the same time I'm not sure what his qualifications are well you know the Knicks just hired uh Phil Jackson to be their 
kind of GM president person. Uh, you know, are there's are some similarities there. Do you think that that's kind of the new trend in basketball where former players and coaches are being sought out because they had so much success during their time as a player or a coach? Yeah, I definitely see that as a possi- as definitely something that's happening. Uh, personally, I would have loved to see Phil Jackson sign a deal with Detroit, but that didn't happen. But, yeah, I definitely see the whole star power aspect of winning coaches coming in as winning management. I mean, even Joe Dumars went straight from being a player to GM pretty much. See, and, th- and that's the one thing that would kind of scare me off from Grant Hill. You have someone who was a former player in Detroit, had some great years in Detroit, was a great NBA player, such as Joe Dumars was back when he played for the Pistons, and then he came in and he had some success. But then, you know, as time went on, it, it almost seemed as if Dumars was stuck in the past and didn't transition with the game and how the game was being played, and that's why the Pistons had so little success. Is Grant Hill, as a former player, is that the only reason the Pistons have interest in him, because he is a former player, or do they actually think that he can do a good job as a general manager? See, that's what I kind of agree with that statement. I feel like they are only interested in him, in him because he is a former player. And also, I mean, he just retired relatively recently uh, in 2013, so I don't feel like that's enough time to like debrief, like take himself out of player mode and into general management mode. It's kind of like when the Nets hired uh, Jason Kidd. I kind of, looking at him from the sidelines, it almost looked like he was about to suit up or something. Like, he couldn't get out there because he wanted the team to do well. Well, that also that also brings up the name Chauncey Billups, who he's been talked about as a potential GM, potential coach, is, are you in the same boat with him that, you know, it's just too soon? He needs time to maybe be the assistant GM and learn the tricks of the trade? See, if you asked me at the beginning of the season, I would have said yes. But at the same time, I know I'm kind of contradicting myself here right now. But uh, Chauncey Bellis, if you look at what Jason Kidd actually did with the Nets, though, um, I would not be angry if Chauncey Bellis became the new coach. Just because um, Jason Kidd was able to take the Nets and finish sixth with a winning record and I would not complain at all if I saw the Pistons in the playoffs at all, even if it was like an Atlanta situation where you just get the eighth seed in the East, but still playoff entry. Yeah, I agree. You know, you get a lot of people who say, what's really the point of making the playoffs if you're just going to face Miami or Indiana? Because, you know, it's presumed that you're just going to get knocked out in the first round, probably in four to five games. But, you know, to me, there's something about just making it about especially when you have a young team with guys leading your team such as Andre Drummond who you know year after year when you don't make it that doesn't look good to players like them that doesn't look good to upcoming free agents that doesn't look good to the players you're about to draft it looks a whole lot better in my eyes if you make the playoffs and so be it you lose in four to five games but there's something about getting that experience there's something about the fact that you're not a loser. You are in contention to go to the NBA championship eventually. Um, and, you know, your players aren't going to gain anything from ending their season early and sitting at home starting in the middle of April. Mm-hmm. Whether it's that two weeks longer that they get to play, I think it's beneficial. A lot of people may disagree, but... You know, what are you going to do? Another name on the GM search 
and you know this is kind of tough to talk about because a lot of people are aren't as familiar with GMs as they are with coaches but another name is Scott Perry who is currently the assistant general manager for the Orlando Magic has spent some time in the Pistons front office under Joe Dumars and briefly spent time with the Seattle Supersonics Oklahoma City Thunder when they were transitioning and helped kind of build up that franchise uh what do you think of Perry um I wouldn't mind that just because he has the history of rebuilding franchises and the Pistons aren't moving cities like the Thunder did but they won they brought they brought in Kevin Durant and that was a whole like new players new city I think Mo Cheeks even played there or not played coach there for a little bit uh and they won look at them now they finished um second in the west which is by no means a bad accomplishment you know two two things come to mind when i see this name one i find it interesting again that we have that former piston tie the fact that he was affiliated with the organization that's to me that's more of a college move whenever you see here college coaches being hired you you always think well where's that former affiliation with the university but two um i really like what the magic are doing uh you know it hasn't really shown much in their win-loss record but the dwight howard trade i i think they easily came out as the winners of that deal bringing in several guys who are making an impact now such as uh vucevic you know, I think that he definitely has a good basketball mind. A lot of people consider him to be one of the next up-and-coming GMs in the league. So, you know, this is as good a time as any. Um, I definitely think he could be a fit. Finally, the uh, third candidate that we'll talk about is David Griffin, the interim GM for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Tell me what you know about Mr. Griffin. Uh, just from what I know about him, he's, like you said, interim GM at uh, in Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland finished 33 and 49 this year, which, I mean, at least I feel like Cleveland fought more than the Pistons did till the end, at least, because they kind of just came out of nowhere and it was like New York, Cleveland fighting for it. Then Pistons were there, but then the Pistons kind of were trying to tank. Um, but yeah, they have like Kyrie Irving. They're having a little trouble building the team just around Kyrie Irving, which is a management decision. I don't know if I just agree with, but uh, the whole one star mentality. That's something. I would rather have a team full of role players that play well and that win well together versus a team that's like centered around one person because when that one person leaves, you're kind of done for. Um, but at the same time, Cleveland hasn't been doing bad for a team without LeBron that had to just kind of pick itself back up. See, that's where I disagree. I think Cleveland, in essence, might have struggled in the past more than Detroit because... They have had the luxury of getting two number one picks. One turned out to be Kyrie Irving. One turned out to be Anthony Bennett, who at the moment is looking like he could be the worst number one pick of all time. Um, You know, they've also struggled with some of their other first round picks. Deion Waiters is decent, but he's spent a lot of time supposedly arguing with Kyrie Irving. Tristan Thompson is decent, but nothing special. Uh, So... You know, their draft room kind of worries me, and I don't know if that's something that I want really brought over to Detroit, especially when we've had our own draft struggles. So, you know, Griffin is someone who I think I might stay away from. Uh, I don't really like a lot of the things that the Cleveland organization has done, but 
you know, if he keeps his job in Cleveland, more power to him. Uh, interesting news came out when Joe Dumars was let go that supposedly he is going to stay on board as an advisor. And this just, you, you talked about this in our last podcast, but this just, it really rubbed me the wrong way. Why is he still a part of this organization? I understand that he's a former player and his legacy lives on, but, you know, there's a reason you let him go. If someone gets fired from a job, you don't keep them on board to hear their insight. You know, there's a reason he got fired. He didn't know what he was talking about enough to keep the Pistons competitive. He didn't make the moves that he needed to make in order to get the Pistons into the playoffs. Why not just end it? I feel like it's just because he was a bad boy, and that's why the organization feels like they owe it to him, maybe. It goes back to what you keep talking about, uh, living in the past. I feel like the Pistons truly are living in the past. This um, They think, oh, well, he's done so much with the organization back in the 90s and 80s. So we can't just like let him go. We can't just abandon him. So we'll like keep him. We'll give him enough to like satisfy him and let him keep some of his pride. And this reminds me of like what the Knicks did with Isaiah Thomas when obviously he was not working out as a coach. So then they tried to like bring him in in a different way, and eventually they just realized they had to separate. I don't. I don't know. It's just unbelievable to me. I mean, what he hasn't done anything recently to deserve him giving an insight. And the fact that Tom Gores, who you know in the past wasn't even affiliated with this organization, doesn't have you know the mindset that just he needs to let him go. Someone you think who is just a pure businessman like Tom Gores, if a business deal doesn't work out, you don't hang on to it even after. You don't want to be a part of it anymore. You just completely cut ties with it. So, you know, it's an interesting move. I don't like it at all. Um, I think the Pistons have done too much of holding on to the past. But, you know, they're going to do what they're going to do. So, moving on, are the Pistons still relevant to Detroit sports fans? If you look at, you know, Detroit sports the last few years, you got the Red Wings who are always in the playoffs. Uh, they took a one nothing series lead against the Bruins last night and a great victory. Um, you have the Tigers, who have arguably been Detroit's best team the last five years. You have the Lions, who have struggled, but they've made the playoffs more than the Pistons in the last five years. Mm-hmm. And so where where do the Pistons rank in Detroit sports? And, you know, do, pan, do fans really care anymore? Honestly... I feel like the Pistons are probably at the bottom of the Detroit sports. And you saw, you talk about Tom Gores being a businessman. He wants to fill seats. Um, I know for, like, the free ticket zone uh, promotion they have with Meyer, you can just, like, get go to a Pistons game for free by grocery shopping at Meyer and buying, like, one item, like a can of soup or whatever. And I've done that. And every time I've gone there, even, even the section with, like, all the free tickets is just empty. Like, I think every single game I've been able to go down and get courtside seats just because there's no one there. And I don't know, part of that, even the, the location presence, they're not even in Detroit, they're in Auburn Hills. Meanwhile, I can go downtown Detroit, I can go to the Joe Lewis Ford Field and Comerica Park, just hit it all in one day, see it from the outside. Um, I feel like being in Detroit definitely helps you have a team. So the Tigers, by far, I think, are one of Detroit's better teams. I say Tigers and Red Wings, mm-hmm. just because baseball is... Um, just a little more popular as than hockey popularity is declining for baseball, but 
uh, the Tigers, like, just look at, them, at least they've gone to the World Series twice in the last mm-hmm. uh, 10, 15 years. Um, they've been World Series contenders consistently. The Lions, they're doing their thing rebuilding. Uh, they still have a lot of star power. They're, they're great to watch. Whether they win or lose, they do not bore you when they play. Meanwhile, the Pistons are just kind of like, oh, it's just background noise. They're going to lose, so who cares? Yeah, I mean, I remember the time where, you know, the Pistons were the heart and soul of Detroit back when Chauncey and Rip and Tayshon and, you know, that time where Joe Dumars loved so much. Um, but now it's as if, like, the Pistons don't mean anything to anyone anymore, and it's sad. And, you know, hopefully this offseason... Detroit takes steps in the right direction to help bring basketball back to the Motor City, help make, help give it an impact again. But uh, only time will tell. I think I think we're closer than people realize. I think Andre Drummond is a great starting point. He is unbelievable. You have players such as, you know, at the moment we have players such as Brandon Jennings, who I think made a lot of good progress this year from his time in Milwaukee. I would love to see him back. Um, but yeah, I think the Pistons are definitely in the right direction. They just haven't moved as fast as a lot of people have hoped. Uh, but something that will help them move in the right direction, the Pistons now are the proud owners of their own D-League team. Uh, the Pistons bought out the Springfield Armor, and they will be moving to the Grand Rapids area. So, you know, what are some of the pros and cons of having your own D-League team? Uh, I think a pro is definitely the added personnel and also the presence in your state, I guess. That's my best way to put it. On the NBA, D-League has definitely had their own uh, struggles. They're by far no like minor league baseball where people care quite as much. But the D-League is definitely... Um, having your own D-League team, though, I feel like it would definitely be good for the Pistons just to expand their presence within the state. Grand Rapids is a great city, great city rebuilding. They had an Arena League team a while back. Um, I have no clue how their team did, or the team that just bought the Springfield Armor did, but if they're successful, hopefully it's like something rejuvenating. It's at least a news story for the Pistons. Gorez loves attention, so. Yeah, I think it'll be great also to finally have a place to, in essence, keep prospects. Um, you have guys like Peyton Siva and Tony Mitchell who spend a little bit, bit of time in the D-League this year but spent most of their time sitting at the end of the bench uh, in Detroit. So this gives the Pistons an ability to get some more players um, who need time to develop, such as guys in the second round of the draft who are foreign players who normally don't come to the NBA right away. They could send them to their D-League if they really wanted to. But, uh, you know, I think this will definitely be beneficial. Um, and speaking of the NBA draft, a little, we'll do a little NBA draft talk uh, as the Pistons are fastly approaching the June draft. Who would be a better fit in Detroit, Gary Harris or Nick Stauskas? I want to say Gary Harris because uh, obviously Spartan pride. But at the same time, I just don't think Nick Stauskas has the same type of game to do well in a team that needs people to be physical. Like Nick Stauskas, especially the games I watched, the Michigan games I watched, he kind of just like chills from behind the three-point line and just like just drains the threes, which is great. We could use some 
a higher field goal percentage, but at the same time, Gary Harris can also can drain the threes, but he can also take it to the hoop. Well, I'll say this. Gary Harris is a great guard defender. He is a great scorer. He is a great all-around player. The thing about Nick Stauskas is I think he's a better three-point shooter, which the Pistons could definitely use. And, you know, he made tremendous strides between his freshman year and sophomore year. His ability to get to the rack was better. He put on a lot of muscle. And, you know, he had arguably one of the best years of anyone in college basketball. So from that perspective, it's interesting to see the progress that was made where Harris, you know, had a great freshman year and had the same type of sophomore year. Um, I think Harris is the much safer pick with a little bit of upside. I think Stauskas is the much riskier pick but has more upside uh, to go along with it. Um, I think either one would look great in a Pistons uniform. Uh, you know, trying to put that kind of Michigan State bias aside. I watched a lot of Michigan basketball this year um, and in the past, and I've seen what Stauskas can do, and he is a tremendous talent. Um, You know, the Pistons definitely need a two-guard. So I think either way, you end up with a great player. Last year... um, the Pistons had the opportunity to take Trey Burke in the draft when they desperately needed a point guard, and they decided not to go with the local guy, and they went with Contavious Caldwell-Pope from Georgia. Do you think a new GM, if they get the opportunity to pick Gary Harris or Nick Stauskas, will feel more pressure than someone like Joe Dumars did to take one of the local heroes? I feel like definitely just because you're coming into a new organization, you're coming into an organization that's been losing for a while, uh, no one in the city really knows about you, especially if you're not a big name like Grant Hill, or that people like obviously know about, because no one really knows much about GMs outside of their own. Uh, you want to do something that will get you a lot of love really quickly, and that would be drafting a local guy. But at the same time, you kind of want someone, you want to like be strong and make your own decision, go with your heart, but hopefully that's not clouded by uh, some type of bias. This year in the NBA draft, there are two big European names, uh, Dante Exum and Dario Saric. A lot of mock drafts, I know it's early, but we got to talk about it, have the Pistons taking Saric with the eighth overall pick. Would you be willing to draft one of them even after the Darko incident? Is that something that will come into the next Pistons GM's mind? I feel like this would be like the equivalent of Matt Millen drafting another wide receiver. <laughs> if he could, just because, um, Dar- I don't really know much about Dario Saric. I still need to uh, see him play, but I don't know if he's actually even officially declared for the draft. That's still, uh, prospe- um, mm-hmm. speculation. I think, but it's pretty likely he will. But yeah, I feel like just the whole Darko Milicic incident would probably make uh, any incoming GM hesitant to draft another European. Yeah, I agree. It's you know that's something that they have no control over, obviously, because they didn't draft him, and, you know, they weren't a part of that. But uh, Darko will forever live in infamy in Detroit. Um, and, you know, he went on to have a decent career as a as a bench player, as a role player. So it's not like he was a complete, he was a bust as a number two overall pick, but, you know, if he was drafted in the late first round, I think no one really would have said anything. Obviously, that doesn't matter now. But... You know, these 
European players that come in, it's so hard to really predict what they're going to do. You look at someone like Ricky Rubio, who, you know, he comes to mind to me as one of the last big European players to go in the top 10. And, you know, he's been decent. Um, he got a lot of comparisons to Steve Nash. He's a great facilitator. But what is Minnesota really doing right now? A whole lot of nothing. Every year they kind of go under expectations because, you know, they never make the playoffs and people keep thinking that they will with him and Kevin Love. So, um, you know, I'm a big Dante Exum fan. I think he would look awesome in a Pistons uniform. But it's a huge risk, and you have to trust your scouts and your inside guys who work across the seas. And, you know, if the situation presents itself, I think it'd be a very bold move to go with someone such as Sarich over someone like Gary Harris or Nick Stauskas. But, you know, that's kind of what separates the good GMs from the great GMs. Can they point out that talent that no one else is bold enough to pick? Such as someone like Andre Drummond, who a lot of people passed on because they thought he wasn't mature enough for the NBA, he wasn't going to be able to handle the workload of the NBA, and the Pistons got the second or third best player in the draft behind uh, Anthony Davis and Damian Lillard. So, you know, it worked out for the Pistons then. Only time will tell if it works out for the Pistons in this upcoming draft. Um, you know, the draft is in the off season. A lot of off-season moves coming for Detroit. What are some of your big off-season predictions? I don't know. I It's too early to tell. I'm just looking at the list of free agents right now. Carmelo Anthony, LeBron James, who will obviously stay in, stay in uh, Miami. He's got to get there, especially if he wins. Lou Aldane, though, Chandler Parsons, Paul Gasol, Kyle Laurie. Uh, see, I can see um, a new GM potentially trying to make a play for Carmelo, depending on how that goes. That's my that's my bull pick of the day. Okay, okay. Um, you know, I'm not going to go with someone who the Pistons get. I think it's someone who the Pistons won't bring back. I am going to say, man, I think two of the three of Jennings, Smith, and Monroe are going to be gone next year. So I think the Pistons are just going to try and, and not rebuild, but retool is a lot of, uh, executives like to say. So I think two of the three of Brandon Jennings, Josh Smith, or Greg Monroe will not be in a Pistons uniform next year. So, you know, lots of time uh, before big moves are made, but it should be an exciting offseason in Detroit. And finally, we're going to finish this episode of the Horsepower by talking about the NBA playoffs, um, which uh, started yesterday, I believe, or do they start tonight? Um, I think they start today. Okay. So yeah, yeah, yeah. They started uh, today. And, uh, you know, let's just give our predictions right now. In the West, we have the one-seed Spurs versus the eight-seed Dallas Mavericks. All right, Spurs, Mavericks. Got to go with the Spurs. Got to go with the Spurs. Not even not <coughs> even the second thought. Nope, I'm sorry. The Spurs just have too much going for them, especially with that win streak they decided to close off the season with. Yeah, you, I mean, Greg Popovich, how he keeps – being the best team in the West year after year with, you know, guys who are hurt or guys who are rested is unbelievable. He's such a great coach. It's unbelievable. Dallas, 
you know, I like their team. Dirk Nowitzki, you know what you're going to get with him. You got a guy like Monte Ellis who can go through some cold streaks, but when he's on, he can be one of the best players in the NBA. Is a great scorer. I think this is going to be a very good matchup. I'm going to go with the Spurs, but I'm going to go with the Spurs in seven. I think Dallas gives them a run for their money. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I just I would go with Spurs in six. Like I see Dallas going giving them a run for their money, but at the same time, Tim Duncan just defies the rules of aging. Of he just defies the <laughs> process. Yeah, it's yeah. Like Ray Lewis, like it's just how does he do it? All right, moving on. The four seed Houston Rockets versus the five seed Portland Trailblazers. I'm gonna take Houston in this one. I think Portland had a great season, especially after they've kind of been out of playoff contention for the last few years. But they are really young, and they are really inexperienced. And I like James Harden and Houston to carry that team. So I'm going to go with Houston in five. I mean, how can you not love that beard? And also Jeremy Lin, too, in the Houston bench. Uh, Houston definitely uh, has the tools it takes to beat uh, Portland, I think, in this one. All right, moving on, we have the three-seed L.A. Clippers versus the six-seed Golden State Warriors. All right, this one's going to be a hard one, just because I feel like the Warriors can definitely upset the Clippers right here. I want to say this is going to be a seven-game series for sure. Um, I would say maybe like 60-40 with this pick, but I'm going to say Warriors over the Clippers. Wow, okay. Um, you know, I really like the Clippers, uh, they are so deep. They have so much talent coming off their bench, and they they had the best season in Clippers franchise history. I really like um, the Clippers to win this one. I'm gonna go with the Clippers in six. And uh, finally, to round out the West, we have the Oklahoma City Thunder versus the seven seed Memphis Grizzlies. Um, I would say Thunder. They can't lose. With Kevin Durant, especially. Um, that's pretty much all I have to say. Kevin Durant, that's the one reason. Yeah, you know you you know what you're going to get with the Oklahoma City Thunder and Kevin Durant. Memphis is good. They got a great front court, but they have a first-year head coach. They don't really have a go-to score. I'm going to go with Oklahoma City in that one. Uh, moving to the east, you have the one-seed Indiana Pacers versus <coughs> the eight-seed Atlanta Hawks. Pacers, Hawks. I have to go with the Pacers. It almost seemed like Atlanta didn't even want the playoff seed for a while there. Mm-hmm. When they were just trying to give it away and no one would take it, it was like a hot potato, that eighth seed. But Pacers, they're playing to win. They did have that slide for a little bit, but I feel like they're back on track now. And they're going to come out there on the court and take this in five. Yeah, the Pacers have struggled this year or to end their year. And, uh, you know, they're lucky they got off to such a great start. To get that one seed. Um, I think they're just too talented not to beat Atlanta, so I'll go with the Pacers as well. Uh, the four versus the five, this is a good matchup. You have the Chicago Bulls versus the Washington Wizards. Washington making the playoffs for the first time in a long time. Can John Wall lead the upset? I think he can. I think this is another one that's going to be a tough game, really oh, a tough series contested, probably seven games. But I think John Wall is the man. I think he can do it. You know, he had so much expectations coming in to the NBA. Um, and for a while, I thought he never really lived up to those. He's never really become that superstar a lot of people thought he was going to be. But he's, a, he's had the best year of his career. He has led Washington to the playoffs. Unfortunately, I don't think Washington is talented enough 
to beat out the Bulls. Tom Thibodeau is a great coach. He always gets his players ready to play. Joe Kim Noah has been one of the most improved players in the league with a ton of triple doubles um, that you don't usually see out of the center position. So I'm going to go with the Bulls to win this one in six. The three-seed Toronto Raptors are taking on Jason Kidd and the six-seed Brooklyn Nets. Give me your thoughts. All right, Toronto Raptors. Um, I'm trying to think who they even have. I know they have Tyler Hansborough, but... Kyle Lowry, yeah. uh, you know, DeMar DeRozan. I agree. I, I get what you're saying. They've gone completely under the radar with a roster that mm-hmm. probably has no business being a three-seed, but somehow they ended up there in the East, and they've had a great season. Um, whereas a Brooklyn Nets team who started off very slow and is now really hot, um, this is a good series, especially with guys like Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett potentially playing their last series ever. Yeah, I think Brooklyn's going to take this one just because the Raptors. Um, I want to see the Raptors surprise people just because, like you said, they have Kyle Lowry. Um, I just remember Tyler Hansbrough from college. His NBA career has been decent enough. Suppose, but other than that, who do they really have? Like uh, Landry Fields, Chuck Hayes. I don't even know. But Brooklyn on the, side, on the other side has a lot of star power. They've been get they've been heating up. They finished hot. Uh, I say Nets take this one in six. Okay. Uh, you know I'm gonna go with that same prediction. I really like what the Nets are doing right now. I think that they have a great chance to pull more upsets as the NBA progresses. It's a shame that Toronto kind of got that matchup. I think they definitely could have done some damage moving forward. I still think they could win this series. I think this will be definitely one of the best series is to watch, but I think Brooklyn does have more talent and they eventually pull it out. And finally you have the Miami heat looking to three Pete, uh, going against the number seven seed Charlotte Bobcats. Can Charlotte even win a game in this series? I was looking through the Charlotte's record right now. It doesn't look like Charlotte's ever beat Miami this season. Uh, they've had a few close games that went to OT. I would love nothing more. Sorry, I completely biased statement right here, though. I would love nothing more than to see Charlotte beat the Heat in seven games, but that's just not realistic. Charlotte cannot win against Miami. Uh, I'm proud of Charlotte for what they did, especially with the organization with Michael Jordan tied to it. Of Michael Jordan tied to it. Um, I say Heat sweeps the Charlotte Bobcats, though. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I think Charlotte may get lucky and win a game, but there's no way they're winning more than one. If they win one at all, I'm definitely going to pick Miami to win this series. Can Miami be stopped, or is a three-peat in their future? I'm trying to think. I would love the Pacers to beat Miami. I think that series is going to be probably one of the best series um, in the whole playoffs, probably. There's two really. There's two series I'm really looking forward to. Out of the West, uh, Thunder, Spurs, if we get that one. I'm looking forward to Heat Pacers if we get that one. And of those four teams, I'm saying right now, one of those is definitely the champion. I'm not sure which one yet, though. Ooh, see, I like I like the Clippers out of the West. Okay. I think that's kind of my bold prediction. I, I mean, Chris Paul and Blake Griffin got it going on. Um, Griffin is more than just a dunker nowadays. He's actually a legitimate basketball player. And Chris Paul is still the best point guard in the NBA. So barring injury to one of those guys, I think they have what it takes to win it all. But um, Miami is so good. I definitely see them coming out of the East. I think Indiana is going through too much turmoil right now to kind of 
make something out of it. So yeah, I definitely see that being a seven-game series, though. I think it helps Indiana a lot that they have home court advantage because that's always been the deciding factor. They're really good at home. Um, you know, I kind of hope that happens. I also would like to see Brooklyn play Miami because they haven't lost to them this year. So that'd be definitely a great series. Um, so, you know, the NBA playoffs, they're here and they are here to stay for the next about month and a half. Uh, so that should be a whole lot of fun. This has been the uh, Horsepower. I'm your host, Cameron Billis, here with Colin Jackson. You can get all your Pistons news and MSU sports news at um, at impact89fm.org backslash sports. You know, thanks for listening. And, uh, you know, I would say go Pistons, but they're done for the year. So enjoy the NBA playoffs.